Amazing woman. Come, come. Thank you. It's my spiritual mum. She's beautiful. Actually, why don't we just give a hand for Pastor Vicky? Who's grateful for Pastor Vicky? Amazing. The way she serves us and loves us. Thank you so much. Well, new series. How exciting. I am so excited. I'm going to get you to stand up, quad workout. Come on, let's all get up. I want you to turn to your neighbour and say, it's do over time. It's do over time. It's do over time. We're going to be delving into Ephesians. We're going to hear Paul's heart for them and for us today. But let's just start this series in prayer. I encourage you to just close your eyes and lift your hands to heaven right now. God, we give you this time, Father. Over the next four weeks, we thank you. You reveal to us how much you love us, that you've chosen us, you've set us apart, you've given us a new identity, a new hope, a new life, a new victory. God, we just take out all the furniture. We put down the drop sheets and we declare to start to just let you give us a do-over. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, which confirms all of this. I pray, Lord, you are speaking to every heart here today. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Oh, sorry, you may be seated, of course. Sorry, I'm not going to make you stand up for the whole service. That would be cruel. I was actually at a birthday party with my daughter Jemima and and I was standing up for three hours. It was a three-hour birthday party. And I got home, I was like flaked out. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And I was wearing heels. That was silly, silly, silly woman. Why did you do that? Anyway, I won't make you stand. For 20 minutes, no way. Okay, so before we we dive into our, our message today, I'm just going to set the scene, lay a bit of a foundation and let you know a little bit about um, Paul and about Ephesians. So uh, the book of Ephesians is a copy of the letter written by the Apostle Paul, addressed to the church in Ephesus and handed out to all the churches that were planted out of that church in Ephesus. So after a radical and transformative encounter with Jesus, which we'll chat about a bit later, Paul sets out to spread the good news of the message of Jesus. Can I just have that map up on the screen, Barry? So this, Paul was a very busy man for several years. These are his his missionary journeys across the region around the Mediterranean Sea. Amazing. Paul is in prison for his faith in Jesus and he writes this letter to the Ephesians from a Roman prison cell. So Ephesus is in modern-day Turkey, but we see it here in uh, that yellow area they called Asia at that time. So right 
me to stay there. So it's a bustling and it's an influential city, uh, but the culture of the city reeks with materialism, prosperity, sexuality, promiscuity. It is full of occult activity where other religions are prominent and they pervade everyday life, business and habits. And I was, I was reading this and I was thinking, hmm, that sounds a bit familiar, doesn't it? Sounds a bit familiar. The climate in the church at Ephesus is also a bit tense. So not only is this all these external influences, in the church there's a bit of tension. Um, internal bickering is threatening the truth of the message of Jesus. Jewish believers feel like their historical heritage as God's chosen people gives them an advantage over the believers who aren't Jewish. So they feel like they're, there's got a bit of a superiority complex, which is causing some problems. In the first half of the book, Paul outlines Jesus' story, the gospel message. And in the second half of the book, he moves on to outline how this should affect our story. Their story then and our story today. So Ephesians I've discovered once again is an absolute masterpiece. It is so well written, is rich with the gospel message and how that outworks in our lives. We could easily, easily spend a year, spend a year unpackaging the gold nuggets of truth and wisdom that Paul writes, but we have just four weeks. And what has really captured my heart is that Ephesians describes our second chance, our second chance in Christ, this over people. God has redeemed us. Through Jesus, God gives us a do-over in the form of an identity, a new family, new behaviours and a new kind of victory in life. And these are the titles of the messages we will explore in the next month and all together make up the do-over. New identity, new family, new behaviours and finally new victory. So today we are going to discover our new identity. Our new identity is based in the truth that God has completely redeemed us through the power of the cross. God planned to save us from the beginning of time and this redefines who we are and gives us our new identity. And our response is to give all praise to God. So our key scripture today comes from the first chapter of Ephesians, verse three and four, and we can follow along on the screen. Paul writes, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before God made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. Amazing, amazing. God loves us so much and chose us to be made new in Him through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. God gives us a do-over. In Him, we are completely, completely redeemed. We are given a new identity. And that's what Paul wants every reader of Ephesians to understand. 
right from the outset that we are redeemed, we are given a second chance and made completely new. That's His heart. I was doing a little bit of reading and research and I came across this quote from Krista Williams. She says, We can sum up the first 14 verses of Ephesians like this. God planned our redemption, Christ paid for it, and the Spirit confirms it. And this is what Paul is writing about in the first chapter. So God planned our redemption. In verse 4, Paul writes, Even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. So he's saying before the creation of the the earth and everything in it, God planned to rescue and redeem us. God loves us that much. Following on in verse 7, he outlines how Christ paid for it. He says, He, God, is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave us our sins. So Christ paid for our freedom. Jesus died on the cross paying the price for our sin so we could be close to God and spend eternity with Him. And finally, the Spirit confirms it. In verse 13, Paul says, And when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom He promised long ago. The Holy Spirit seals the deal. We are filled with God's Spirit, when we acknowledge and accept God's grace and identify ourselves as His. His Spirit empowers us to live out our new identity. We are not left alone. And what is this new identity? We are redeemed by God through the blood of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit. In three words, we are His. Can you repeat that after me? We are His. Turn to your neighbour and say, I am His. We are loved and chosen by God. And this changes absolutely everything. Absolutely everything. We are not defined anymore by our boss and what he or she says about us or thinks about us. We are not defined by our family, our past. We are not defined by our Instagram feed or how many Likes we get on a post on Facebook. This does not define us. What we see in the mirror doesn't define us. The negative thoughts in our mind when we wake up, this doesn't define us anymore. And what the devil tries to tell us about ourselves, this doesn't define us anymore. These things don't tell us who we are. They might try to own us. I'm sure you've been there. But we are His. God loves us and chose us in Christ. And this changes everything, changes everything. (laughs) As Vicky said before, in a very nice way, I am a perfectionist. I I am, I am a car carrying perfectionist. God is doing a work in me. There are wonderful aspects to that personality, but there are some real downsides, people, some real downsides. I struggle, (laughs) I struggle. I've been a Christian for over 20 years now. I know God loves me. I know God loves me. I know He's chosen me to be His, but my old identity creeps in. 
every day, every day. I start striving to be good enough in the eyes of the world, caught up in what others think of me and the standards I hold myself to, which is probably the worst part. Instead of reminding myself that God, God has redeemed me. The only opinion that should matter is God's. It's the only opinion that should matter. And even at a young age, I was striving to perform. I couldn't handle being wrong. I just, I couldn't handle it. And I was constantly anxious that I would make a mistake and that no one would like me because of it. It sounds ridiculous. It sounds ridiculous, but that's what was going on in my little mind and disturbing my little heart. I remember running away when I was wrong because I was so embarrassed. I would burst into tears or feign sickness or something just to escape the room because I just couldn't handle that feeling, that embarrassment, that fear of man. But God was pursuing me. God was after me. God was after me and He met me in this space. I gave my life to Jesus when I was just nine years old. Spirit of God touched me. I cried tears of relief and His peace filled my heart. Finally, there was someone who loved me and chose me because I am me and He created me, not because of what I could do or what I could strive to be. This encounter with Jesus transformed me but it is still transforming me. It is still transforming me. Every day I have to choose to let God define who I am. My identity is in Him. I am His. I can't let my mistakes define me. Oh, like when I scream at the kids and I'm talking like scary scream. <sighs> it happens. We've got three beautiful children, but they've got big personalities. Or when I let someone down, that's the worst. And that is quite often as a perfectionist and the standards I hold myself to. I constantly feel like I'm letting people down, like I'm not doing enough. Or I make a horrible choice and we've all been there. We all do it. Or we don't do enough exercise or guilt creeps in because you haven't you know, spent enough time with God. All of that, I can't let it get me down because I am His. You know, on that cross, on that cross, Jesus took my sin, my imperfections, my guilt. He took it all upon Himself and He sent it to the grave. He rose again and gave me a second chance and restored me to God. And this, people, is grace. This is our do-over. This is our do-over. It's my do-over and it's your do-over. I can look myself in the mirror every day and say, I am His. God loves me and He has chosen me. And so can you, so can you. I promised um, our circle back to the life of Paul and we're gonna do that now. You know, I can think of no better example of God's redemptive love and power than in, in the life of Paul. As I said before, Paul's encounter with Jesus was 
just radical and transformative, just out of this world. And he came to understand how an encounter with Jesus can change everything, can change the course of your entire life. Paul was a Roman citizen. He had a lot of clout. He was important and valued in the eyes of society and a Jew. He was a Jewish leader and a, and a teacher. So he was a Pharisee. So not only is he in, important in the Roman world, he's got some clout in the, in, in the synagogue, in, in the Jewish culture, in the faith. He was, he was the man. He was the man. He was an almost perfect Jew obeying all the laws and commandments outlined in the Old Testament. This is where I connect with Paul. He was a perfectionist too. He was. He strived to be good in the eyes of man. And bless him, he thought he was doing the right thing in God's eyes too. But like many Jewish leaders, he despised Jesus. Absolutely despised Jesus and his followers and was determined to quash this new outbreak of faith in the Messiah because it jeopardised Hebrew culture down to its core. So the scene is set. The scene is set. On the one hand, Saul, as he was known before his encounter with Jesus, is pure and blameless and completely righteous. And on the other hand, he is a murderous fool. Think of A-Team, you fool. Yeah. Does anyone see an A-Team? You fool. God meets him in this space. God meets him in this space, just like me. You know, my perfectionist state. God meets him right there at that place. With, in that tension where he thinks he's so pure and blameless and righteous. And on the other hand, he's not at all. You idiot. And just like me and just like you, God meets us where we are in our sin and in our imperfections, but doesn't change the fact that God loves us and has chosen us in Christ. In, in Acts 9, this is where we read about Paul's encounter with Jesus. Uh, just as he was about, oh, he's on his way to persecute more Christians on the road to Damascus. Uh, we have a short clip now which illustrates this interaction and what happens immediately after. Let's turn our eyes to the screen. I don't know why they run from me. They should be grateful and saving them from God's judgment. Do they even care about God? No. They abandoned God to follow this dirty, uneducated scum. God!
those you want to destroy. Forgive me. I've wronged you. I've wronged God. My soul is on fire. Help me. my house. you pull in the name of Jesus Christ for he has chosen you to change the world in his name Ooh. wow I love that my spirit is on fire my spirit is on fire So Jesus meets Paul on his path to death and destruction and completely turns his life around. Paul was as far from Jesus as you can possibly imagine. And yet in one encounter with Jesus, Paul has the revelation that he is indeed the Son of God. Paul's life is redeemed. He's given a second chance. His life has this complete 180-degree turnaround. He has a do-over and he discovers a new identity in Christ. He believes that God loves him and has chosen him. So everything, everything Paul stood against, everything he refused to believe about Jesus as the Saviour, he now recognises as truth. In Acts 9, it it describes the moment Paul restores his sight. Uh, God restores Paul's sight, sorry. And and it describes it like scales fell from his eyes. So powerful. Paul is chosen to spread the good news of God's redemptive love and grace, free from the power of sin 
and the rule book. Paul now knows that no amount of obedience to the law could save him. You know, being a perfectionist wasn't going to make him right in the eyes of God or score him a seat in heaven. Paul understands it is only through belief and trust in Jesus that we can be saved. And this is summed up beautifully in Ephesians 2, and I encourage you to go and go home and read it. It's where Paul describes the richness of God's mercy and the gift of new life we have in Jesus. Paul continues on saying that there is nothing that we have done or could do to earn salvation. God planned long ago to redeem us. And if we return to Ephesians 1, we can see Paul's response to his do-over and it is praise to God and delight in all the new blessings this new identity in Christ brings. He wants all believers to know and delight in them too. So if we go back to Ephesians 1 from verses 3 to 14, we see these blessings that form our new identity. I'm just going to highlight them now, but I encourage you to go home and read that too. Paul says, God chose us before the world existed to be holy and blameless in His sight through Christ. He has adopted us as His children and we have a new family. And that's what we're going to be talking about next week. He has freely bestowed His grace on us. We can't earn it. It's a gift. We have been redeemed, freed because Jesus paid the ransom for our sin with His life. And God has revealed to all of us His great plans and purposes. And finally, we have been marked with the Holy Spirit, confirming we are made right with Christ and we will spend eternity with Him. That isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? No wonder Paul was full of praise. This was, this was his do-over and he wants all believers and non-believers especially to experience this radical, transformative life in Jesus. So our response should be praise too and, and, we'll, and we'll put that into action as we close this morning. But first, before we, before we do that, today I want you to know that through the death and the resurrection of Jesus, God has redeemed you. No matter how wonderful or how tragic you think you are or anywhere in between, God wants to make you new. He wants to offer you a do-over. He says, clear it all out. Let's start again. I'm giving you a clean slate. Let's paint something new. Let's bring in some new furniture. Let's start again. I love you that much. He wants to give you a new identity to make you His, loved and chosen by Him, to live in the fullness of His many blessings. And all you have to do is to ask God for forgiveness from sin and accept that Jesus died for you and restored you to God. And we do this by praying a simple prayer. If you are here today and you have never prayed a prayer like this one and you would like to, we would love you to pray it today. Likewise, if you once believed in Jesus, but you don't feel like 
you identify as a follower of Christ right now, then we would love you to pray this prayer too. In a moment, I'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes. And if you would like to pray this prayer, I will ask you to raise your hand. I will acknowledge it. You can put it down. And then we'll pray together as a church, right where you are. And then after the service, one of our team would love to come and help you with that decision. So can I just ask everyone to close their eyes right now? Look away to God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, you are here. Thank you, Lord. So if that's you this morning, if you've never prayed a prayer like this one, but you love the idea, the sound of a do-over, you want to give your life to Jesus and, and start afresh with Him, I'd love you to raise your hand. And if if you once feel like you believed in Jesus, but you don't anymore, and you'd like to return to that relationship, to that identity, I ask you to raise your hand. So if you're in either of those places this morning, could you raise your hand now? If you'd like to pray that prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Church, why don't we stand right now? We're just going to look away to God for a moment and then we're going to respond just like Paul did with praise. Let's just close our eyes and lift our hands. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Let's just reflect for a moment on God's redeeming love in our lives. What kind of place were you in, in life when you encountered Jesus? What has He saved you from? How does His grace continue to work in your life and make you new? Thank you God for your incredible grace that you have loved us and chosen us right from the beginning of time. Lord, thank You for sending Your Son, Jesus, to take all of our perfectionism, our guilt, our sin, our shame. You took it all on the cross just for us. You sent it to the grave. And today we rise with You, Jesus. Redeemed a new life, a new identity, a do-over. We are yours, God. Every day I declare that I am His. I am His. I am His. I am His and I give Him praise. Let's sing. Let's sing to God. Let's sing praise to God.